Before she became an autism advocate and mom of four, Shaletta Brundage was an Emmy Award winning comedian. Need something to put a smile in your face? Laughing with Letta is sure to tickle your funny bone. Check it out, but pee first and make sure you ain't drinking nothing when Shaletta's on a roll. That way you won't have anything to clean up when the podcast is over. You know, I passed by uh, my uh, daughter's uh, Zoom class the other day uh, just to check and make sure that she was on task and doing everything she had to do. And I was listening to the teacher. Bless her heart, Ms. Sherm over at Valley Crossing Elementary in Woodbury was teaching that Zoom class with uh, 5th, 11th, 3rd graders. And just to keep everybody in the box to keep everybody engaged all the animal sounds she had to make the flips she was turning the creative games she came up with to keep these virtual learners uh you know doing whatever virtual learners are supposed to do and she was calling on them and holding them accountable i thought you know what if i was miss sherm i would have quit i would have been like you know what this is just too much for me i can't i can't do it anymore uh all this work and, and and the adjustments, and then she turned into an IT person because one of the kids kept glitching, and so she had to stop and help that child uh, make sure that they got back into the Zoom, and, and then another child had two Zooms up, and she was trying to help them fix it because there was an echo, and, and then somebody couldn't figure out how to mute their mic, and, and they kept talking, and, and they heard the dog barking, and it was, it was a distraction, so she had to give everybody a silly break where they ran around the house for five minutes while they figured that one out. Oh, God bless Miss Sherm, because I wouldn't have done it. I, 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 I would have quit. So when I saw <laughs> Leslie Streeter's story in the Washington Post magazine, why so many teachers are thinking of quitting, uh, some of them have said enough is enough, I wasn't even mad at them. I identify with them. I also asked Leslie to join me on the show today so that we could talk about this story. Girl, look, I throw them a going away party, Leslie, because they have the teachers. <laughs> girl, they have absolutely been through too damn much. Uh, you know what? I Talking to these teachers, and there are so many different ages. They're like the one I spoke to first, uh, Ms. Higgins, is in her late 20s. And there's some that all the way in their 50s. And what they all had in common was it was already messed up before this happened. <laughs> right. Then, you know, already messed up. And then just to me, and the story that she told me was very real about a moment where, like, her husband's an entrepreneur. He yeah. was out of the house. They have a little kid who was potty training at the time. And they don't care what you're doing. They, they no, would just don't. want you. So they show up. She's got these uh, middle schoolers on. She has. She needs to go to the bathroom. She, she has three minutes to jump <laughs> off. You know what they're saying, and you know how kids are. If a kid sees that you're not paying attention to them, they're like, "I must pay attention to you right now." And they yeah. they want you. It's terrible. And so she is just one of the people that I spoke to about how in everything, whether it was virtual learning, which whether it was what you said, being everything, IT and and a teacher and a counselor and everything all at once and a parent to your own child and taking care of your own needs and all the stuff in your home where there's no separation. There's no, Mm -hmm. um, at least I can go home and not have to worry about this. Now I can't because now home is work and work is home and it's all stupid. And so that's, that's where they are. And, oh, absolutely. I didn't, every single person I spoke to, I'm like, you have points, you have a point, you have eight points. They all have points. (laughs) 
Girl, and it's, it's it's a never ending. You know, the one thing that really got me, girl, we're gonna have to put this on a t shirt. Uh, it is the line where you said it's a never ending cycle of stress that started before the pandemic and it just got worse once COVID hit. Just got worse. I mean, and that's the thing that we have always known in the society, those of us who wanted to know knew and those of who didn't have ignored it until it affected them, that teachers are not ever treated right. Mm -hmm. They've not been treated right in a general sense in the public schools, particularly in terms of what resources can we give them to to ease their burden? What can we do to make sure that they're not dealing overwhelmingly with um, discipline problems, with inequity problems, with having to feed everybody and decorate the classroom and call social services and do all these things? And this was before the pandemic. So then they go, we want you to do all that, but at home, while you're trying literally not to die and for your children not to die, it's like it's just too much. And so all these people who were all dedicated teachers, who were people who went into education because they wanted to make a difference both for their children eventually and for other people's, because they know that that's where, you know, society starts is with how you're educated. They just right. couldn't do it anymore. They had to walk away to literally save their physical lives, their emotional lives, and their creative lives, and I and their, you know, their employment. And I get it. I'm not mad at anybody. Not mad at yeah. anybody. Yeah. And, and, you know, one of the people that you talked to, Lainey Higgins, who worked with uh, Baltimore County Public Schools, for folks who think, oh, well, if you don't want to be a teacher, just quit. She said it's rewarding, but it also takes an emotional toll. There is a lot of trauma in teaching. And I have yeah. to say, Leslie, until all four of my kids were in Zoom and until I sat in with them, because three of my four kids have autism, so I have to really mm-hmm. literally be present during their sessions so that if yeah. the teacher needs them or if they fall behind I can help catch them up quickly um, and they don't get frustrated I didn't realize what these teachers were doing you know we're dropping the kids off we waving bye we got the lunch bye. pack we we blowing the horn <laughs> bye boo mama love you and, and girl it wasn't until <laughs> it wasn't until this virtual situation where I saw it and I'm like oh my god oh my and god to see my son who is now in second grade we had moved from Florida uh, in the middle between, he, he was in kindergarten in Palm Beach County when I was working in the Palm Beach Coast. And he, he was there, I guess, in March 2020 was when he and everybody else went went into their homes. And then we left in July. And so he started completed entire first grade in my living room in a school he'd never been to because he'd never mm-hmm. been in person. It was a mm-hmm. mess. So we're literally, we closed in a house in the next week. Boxes still around us. We're moving boxes out of the way so he won't Girl. be away with the cameras. So he... Getting him up and sitting him downstairs and watching this teacher who, God bless her, had her own seven-year-old, also a baby, and then was pregnant. So she's literally, um, she's texting us, because I'm sure it's all of us going, is your child still there? Because they would, like, turn the camera off or walk away or fall asleep or be on YouTube or whatever. And she's got to play traffic cop to all of these crazy children. And at any time, I would have been like, look, if you all fail first grade, that's on you. Enjoy first grade again i'm out because it's like to do this and be out because she's also trying to parent she's also trying to teach and so she also now has to be the person who goes stay in the box stay in the box stay in the ah you know i don't i don't get it so yeah you absolutely i saw everything that she had to do just to get them to pay attention yeah you know um and not to have to like go you know what i'm out 
drop mic, mic dropped. Yeah. Look, um, look, Miss Brenda just blocks is black. She just left. Y'all will be texting me or I'll be in the car just riding around the neighborhood in circles like I ain't going back. I ain't doing not it. going back. And that what is asked like the young woman I interviewed um, who has left her class in um, okay, in um, California is now working at Columbia to, to train teachers talked about how it was already always an inequity. And then she comes back and they're like, welcome back kids. Three days after you come back in person, here's a standardized test, you know, (laughs) and which helps nobody. And she said, she understands they need to test these things, but you're going to test these kids who literally have not yet. She said that she interviewed her. She said that there were kids who couldn't stop hugging her because they weren't used to touching people because they've been in a box for a year and a half. And you're having to do all of these things. Well, get them up to proficiency. So say your school district can get get funding. I mean, everything that's put on these teachers, all the things that put on these teachers, not to teach, but to be part of the financial cog, a cog in the financial wheel. That's just another part of it. And for all these people, like the teacher that I interviewed, um, to interview two from Florida, one of them was in Palm Beach County, where I used to live, who talked about watching these people say on Facebook groups, well, I'm just going to send my kid to school if they have COVID anyway, and I'm not going to mask them. Or the teacher who was mild on Facebook groups, well, I'm just going to send my kid to school if they have COVID anyway, and I'm not going to mask them. Or the teacher who was miles away from the shooting in um in Broward County from the school shooting, but felt PTSD because she felt exposed as a teacher and was like, they've never resolved the gun issue. How are they going to resolve COVID? How they're going to resolve making the teachers feel safe or prioritized in any way. And they didn't. So she left Mm. and they all Mm. miss it. There's not one person I interviewed who doesn't have some moment where they went, you know what? I really, I love this. No one says I hated it. And most a couple like Lynn Higgins is like, I don't see going back. But there's moments where they go. I remember why it was I liked teaching. Yeah. And and, and and one of the things that you said in your piece, um, we're talking um, to Leslie. She wrote this amazing article in the Washington Post magazine about teachers who um, have just had enough and are walking away. Is, is, is words like heartbreak and guilt kept coming up? Yep, absolutely. And once again, and you know that nobody becomes a teacher because they want to be famous. Nobody wants to join the teacher. It's not like that's where Instagram is. You know what I'm saying? They're not like joining it because they want to be rich or because they want to be the highest status in society. They join it because they feel, and I said this, that it's a calling. They feel that it's something that they should do. And many of them stuck with it a little while after they knew that the writing was on the wall and they do feel guilt about that. They do feel guilt about abandoning their kids, particularly the ones that are in districts where they really need the help. And they really, not that everyone is not important, but that some of these teachers who were like, I know these kids needed me and I didn't know Mm. what to do. And I didn't know what to do. So there's guilt like the uh, Peggy McLean, who I interviewed, who said she felt like she had abandoned her profession. Like, and she was leaving people in the lurch, but once again, she had to do this. She had to do it. Um, and I just, I'm hopeful mm. as a parent, as a taxpayer, and as someone who has teachers that they love very much, I'm hoping that this becomes a thing that people will say, what do we need to do to stop this? Yeah. And that having these conversations, and thank you for having me, it's so important, because I interviewed so many teachers who said to me, after the interview, emailed me and said, thank you 
for having this conversation because no one is asking about the teachers. Like the teacher um, Girl, who, ain't said nothing about them, ain't thought about them. Uh, you know, we're no. talking about the kids. We're talking about the bus drivers. We're talking about everybody except the teachers. And Rebecca Pryor, um, she is a preschool teacher. She is listening right now, and she says everything your guest is saying is true. This is a lot. And the sad thing is there was one of the teachers I spoke to who said that she felt that as a teacher, she was part of a bargaining chip. That's a quote that, you know, the different organ- different school districts around the country were saying, we need to get parents back to school. Parents go back, can't go back to school if schools are not open. So can't go back to work if school's not open. So we get the kids back to school. Someone's got to teach them and they have to be in person. So let's throw the teachers back in. And a lot of these teachers feel that that's happened without any real understanding of how it's supposed to work logistically or of safety or of cooperation for the parents or of mitigating the things that were wrong in the first place. The things that these teachers said were an issue before COVID ever happened. So they're like, we feel like we're part of a cannon fodder, basically, to go back in so the economy can get moving ostensibly. But no one cares about what that means for us. Um, and and, and I, teachers don't care about themselves. I, I, part of the story, you're talking to Stephen Lane, who was a band teacher in Calvert County, Maryland. And this girl, this this got me. He said, I was so dedicated to achieving success for my students that I was neglecting myself. I customized my life around it. These teachers are so dedicated to these kids. And I saw it in the Zoom meetings with Ms. Sherm and, and, and Ms. Carlson and, and, and Ms. Nelson and, and, and all the teachers. That, that take care of my children virtually mm-hmm. that they just they put themselves on the back burner absolutely and that this young man was like i'm in my 30s and i realized i don't date he said that the most he had ever been home was when he was home teaching he's like i'm in my home i realized i'm never here because i'm always teaching I'm always doing stuff and he had that funny anecdote about you know how do you teach band online if you find out let me know but you know that he's Still, and a lot of these teachers are still using their educational experience, do other things like he's writing curriculum. Um, the young woman from California is now, you know, training other teachers with also not just education, but with this, with the eye towards social justice and equality and equanimity. And those things are incredibly important. And it's not a total wash. Like, we don't have people who are like, I'm just going to take up juggling. And if you did, that's on you. That's great. God bless you. But they're using their experience to continue to help and to to help educate and help educate the people who are the educators, but not in a way that's going to put them personally at harm, at least until they've figured it out. And who knows where this is going? No one knows where this is going. Um, but like I said, as a parent and as a reporter talking to these people and connecting to their humanity, which is what a lot of these teachers said is not happening, that people are not listening to and reflecting on their humanity and not just the person between financial gain and not, you know, not just mm-hmm. the people who are going to, I had a teacher who said to me, they think of us as glorified babysitters. We're the people that are going to take mm. care of the children free. Well, cause you know, childcare obviously was very hard during, yeah. uh, during COVID, you know, so I moved, I, I'm, I'm widowed. I'm a single mom. My mother is here with me as a co-parent, but there were times that she could not be here where I physically had to be here. And for a while I had a job. I was doing a corporate communications job for six months where I had to be on a zoom all day long and that didn't work very well. So then I, one of the reasons that I left besides I felt other things were my calling is I then got to be able to come downstairs and stare at him and make sure he was actually on the computer and not playing his Nintendo switch or whatever he was doing. So, <laughs> and, and, and I'm just responsible 
for my child. I'm not responsible for eight other kids, 10 other kids, 15 other kids as the teacher. And I don't have the expectations that anyone else has of me, would have of me if I were the teacher to keep all of those kids in check. Because you can't reach into somebody's house. You know, the Eddie Murphy thing about your mother, don't you run from me, you know, right. back with the long arm. She can't do that through the screen. And I, I think that to me, it's like, what do we owe these teachers? Who yeah, we are everything. Not, what do everything. we owe them? Everything. 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 And, and that they felt underpaid, undervalued, underprotected already. And now it's doubly, triply so. Oh, Leslie, thank you for being on the show. I just appreciate your perspective. God bless you and your baby. And send me your email address. I want to send you some of my autism books to share with your baby. Oh, I cannot wait. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a wonderful conversation that needs to keep happening. All right. You be blessed, my sister, and y'all be blessed. That girl is crazy in a good way. To check out previous episodes, log on to her website, SheLettaMakesMeLaugh.com. You can also check out where she's appearing next and score cool merch. If you're like me, family is the most important thing in your life. But talking about finances with your family can be a challenge. This is a photo of me, my mom, my grandmother, and my great-grandmother. Every lesson I learned about putting money away for a rainy day, I learned from them. That's why I'm moderating an AARP panel on Tuesday, November 9th at 6.30 to talk about saving money for retirement no matter what stage you're in. So whether you're Gen Z, a millennial, Gen X, or a boomer, join me on November 9th. We'll have a panel of common folks like you and me. We'll work together so we can find solutions. To sign up for this free event, log on to aarp.org backslash mnevents. This event is sponsored by AARP Minnesota, Black Women's Wealth Alliance, Bridge Makers, and Youth Prize.